So reading is from John 3, uh, verse 1 to 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know, what you, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sounds, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. <clears throat> How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a huge privilege it is to be able to spend time looking at your word and by your spirit, you promise to speak through that. This is a story so well known. Uh, and so please, I pray that you would help us concentrate. You'd help me to be clear and that we would learn and apply and live as uh, people who honour you as our Lord and King. Amen. Amen. Well, our question today is, what would Jesus say to the religious? You're in a little series, Encounters with Jesus. And the simple answer is this. Look at it. It's in your passage there, verse 3. You must be born again. Uh, we're going to spend a few moments just unpacking that, really, uh, there's a massive passage, we're not going to get to all of it, but let's unpack that together because that phrase is a really loaded phrase, isn't it? It's probably the most contentious of all the images that Jesus uses as he's trying to reach the hearts and minds of those uh, he's uh, speaking to. If, if you flip over to the next chapter, John 4, notice the woman there, how he, he uses language of living water there, being born again, living water they're both pictures of eternal life uh, that we receive as we trust in Jesus. However, that phrase, being born again, it's somewhat been hijacked, hasn't it? So in the minds of many, 
that kind of to be born again as a born again Christian that that kind of brings up kind of oh that's the narrow-minded slightly annoying placard waving bigot you know that's the the kind of flavor it kind of it kind of brings up but therefore this language of born again isn't often used nowadays by Christians but I want you to recognize the kindness of Jesus that he would use such a simple image each of the images he uses in John's gospel he does so to engage our hearts our minds our imaginations so he goes you must be born again you must drink of living water later in the gospel he'll reveal himself as the the light the bread the gate the vine the door all of that so we see who Jesus really is so we understand who we are and our need of him as well so in John 3 here we go Jesus is speaking to what well, we see Nicodemus there uh, a member of the Jewish ruling council we see in verse one. That is the most religious, the most prestigious, uh, the most elite of that culture. And we see that Nicodemus has observed the miraculous sign done by Jesus. And he makes a look at verse two. He makes an obvious conclusion uh, that Jesus comes from God. Well, that's the context. That's the situation to this big statement. What would Jesus say to such a man? Verse three, he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, I've witnessed two boys being born. Uh, so I can say with just a fragment of authority, this is in a sense, the, the, the most radical of all the images that Jesus uses. But they have to ask why? Well, because it's describing such a radical transformation. To be born again is this metaphor for eternal life. It, it's not just an emotional experience or some lifestyle change that we can make. It is a total, a radical transformation. How, though? Well, look what Jesus doesn't say to Nicodemus. What doesn't he say? Jesus doesn't say to Nicodemus, hey, you're a pretty good kind of guy. Um, you know, you'll be okay. You're a Jewish ruling council member, wealthy man, respected man of society. Jesus doesn't walk up to Nicodemus and he doesn't say, oh, you've done pretty well in your life. You're a nice chap. Look at you. So yeah, I'll top you up a bit so you can get into the kingdom of God. No, no, Jesus doesn't say any of that. He says to enter the God's good eternal kingdom, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You, that is Nicodemus, the most respected, wealthy, religious elite, establishment man. You have nothing to offer, Jesus says. You've got to go back to the beginning. You've got to be born again. And Jesus is saying the same to us, isn't he, through his word now and by his spirit. Nothing you or I have done, nothing about who we are, our CV, none of that counts. And do you see what that means? It makes you or I no better than anyone else before God. And that is why this image of being born again has just been so unpalatable uh, down through the ages, uh, especially to those who have so much, like Nicodemus, because it implies for all of us that we are totally unworthy to enter the kingdom of God on our own merits. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we hate that idea. 
Oh, to the broken, to the needy in society. Oh, that's an attractive picture because, well, they know, already know they've got nothing. But to the religious, to the elite, to the wealthy, to the educated, to the powerful, to the successful, maybe to the, to the beautiful, this is often a revolting, base and denigrating image. But Jesus is clear. You must be born again. And you can see the cogs turning. Look at them in verse four, uh, as Nicodemus is going through it. He says, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Good, good question. And the astute, as you follow on through that passage, as you listen, you'll have heard Jesus kind of pointing this Old Testament scholar back to the Old Testament. He's summarizing a number of passages there from the Old Testament. And Jesus knows what he's doing, doesn't he? He knows who he's speaking to. He's pointing this Old Testament scholar back to passages like Ezekiel 36 and 37. Do you remember those? Ezekiel 36, uh, the, the new covenant promises are given the promises of a new heart, Jesus be, uh, being washed uh, and cleansed by God's spirit. Ezekiel 37, it's that picture of the valley of dry bones and God breathes new life into those people. See, Jesus is drawing those images into what he's saying to Nicodemus. And he's saying that is what it is to be born again. It is when God breathes new life in us by the work of his spirit as we see in verse 6 in fulfillment of the promises of Ezekiel new life coming into that which was spiritually dead it is a radical transformation now, Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians doesn't he as a new creation it is a total moral change psychological change in every way we become a new person jesus simply puts it this way it's a simple picture you must be born again i've stolen this illustration so excuse me for that but i, I thought it was helpful and hopefully make you help think a little bit uh, if you um, have an apple tree but you think next year i, I quite like some oranges on that tree well what do you do well, you can prune that tree all you like. By the way, I know nothing about farming or anything like this, but I'm just, just work with me for a second. Yeah, uh, you, you can prune an apple tree all you like, but you're never going to get oranges from it, are you? If you want new fruit, you have to have a new root. And that is how radical this language of being born again is. Jesus isn't just saying, oh, change a little bit reform yourselves you know try a little bit harder to make yourself acceptable to god no he's saying it's not just a change of fruit the outward stuff being born again is a radical inward heart whole life root change as god breathes new life into us those of us who was as we all are spiritually dead so uh, to be born again is a radical transformation. Secondly, it's a necessity for entry. And Jesus couldn't be clearer, could he? Verse three, no one can enter the kingdom of God. Verse five, no one can enter the kingdom. Verse seven, you must be born again. The language is clear. None are exempt. Jesus isn't permitting any kind of wiggle room here, is he, for 
those of a certain postcode or education or family background. It isn't an optional extra, even for the most religious. Can you imagine Nicodemus hearing this? Being told as a member of the Jewish ruling council, but Jesus is clear, not even Nicodemus has the credentials to enter the kingdom of God of his own merits. Well, you may be able to get to into a fancy club in London, some nice panelled walls in some of your backgrounds there. Uh, you know, they, you've been to those fancy clubs where they've got panelled walls and their leather chairs and, and so on. You might be able to get into a club like that, but none of us have anything to gain entry into God's eternal club with its jeweled walls and its thrones of gold. See, like Nicodemus, we must, as a necessity, be born again. It is a radical transformation and it is a necessity for entry uh, but the question remains how how then do we get in how are we to be born again it is the question uh, of nicodemus himself look down the passage you see in verse nine there he asks it, so, so please don't think that any of us are beyond asking the same question humbly today. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. Now you might have picked it up, but what follows, it, it, it feels like a bit like a scolding from Jesus. I think it probably is. In verses 10, the, the answer finally comes in verses 15 and 16, where Jesus concludes, Whoever believes, uh, he uses an Old Testament example, and then that very famous verse in verse 16, whoever believes may have eternal life. Now let's, as we get to that, just briefly examine Nicodemus as we close. Does he believe? Well, in this whole encounter, we don't really hear much from him, do we? Uh, he states, let's just cast our eyes down, you'll see what happens. He states an observation about Jesus in verse 2. He asks the question in verse 4, how can someone be born when they're old? He gets quite quizzical in verse 9, how can this be? But from then on, it's just Jesus. And he sounds a little bit exasperated. Look at verse 10. You are Israel's teacher said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? And as he continues, the tone, I think, is quite similar. It seems that Jesus is throwing this Old Testament teacher a kind of a, a scholarly leg break to challenge him. Excuse the cricketing analogy there, but you hopefully you understand. It's a difficult thing. He's, Jesus is saying to this establishment man, yeah, you can button up, sit down, listen, think. And from what we see of Nicodemus in the rest of this book, that's exactly what he does. The next time we actually see Nicodemus is in John's Gospel, is in chapter 7, verse 50, and following. You can look at that later. What's he doing there? Well, interestingly, he's encouraging the other Jewish leaders to listen to Jesus. And the point is this. He starts here in chapter 3, and he seems to keep going. Uh, Jesus is pointing Nicodemus back to the Old Testament again. Look at verse 14. Jesus recalls that very famous story from Numbers 21. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, listen, think, you, Old Testament scholar, you should know this. Uh, if you know in Numbers 21, it's a very famous story, isn't it? The, the impatient people of God were bitten by snakes that God sent among them. 
and as they lay on the ground with poison coursing through their veins, they cried out to Moses and God, uh, to God for forgiveness. And God told Moses, didn't he, to make a bronze snake, to, to raise it up and lift it up on a pole. And if people looked at the bronze snake, they lived. And so the question in this passage, the tension is to Nicodemus, who must be lifted up so that the poison drains from you and you live? And Jesus has already given Nicodemus the answer. It's there in verse 13. It's the son of man. It's Jesus himself who must be lifted up on the cross. And here Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, hey, you, you who think you are so smart, listen, think this through. And I hope we are doing the same right now. See, we can only be born again. We can only enter God's good eternal kingdom when someone has been lifted up for us. We cannot do this ourselves. In a sense, we are lying poisoned on the floor of our own lives, struggling for breath before a holy and perfect eternal God. And someone must be lifted up for us. We're utterly helpless. And likewise, a, you know, a baby is not brought in into the world because it comes on it of its own accord. Someone else does the work. Someone else carries the weight, the burden. Someone suffers the pain and bleeds for that baby. And the point is this. We cannot enter the kingdom of God on our own merits. What do we all have to do? We have to receive it. We have to believe in the one who was lifted up for us. Yes, like Nicodemus, we have to have the humility to listen to Jesus. We have to think about what he says, but to receive this new eternal life Jesus offers, we have to believe or put our trust in the one that was lifted up on a cross to take the poison of our hearts on himself so that we could live for eternity with God. Verse 15, look at it. Jesus nails it as we close. Everyone who believes, that is the one who has come from heaven, the son of man of verse 13, everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Do you want it? Have you received it? So as we finish, what does Jesus say to the religious? Simple. You must be born again. And what is that? It is a radical transformation. It's a work of the spirit. Secondly, it is an absolute necessity for entry into God's good eternal kingdom. So whoever believes in this may have eternal life. Let me pray as we close together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these words that you so powerfully spoke to Nicodemus and I pray that by your spirit, they would work in each of our hearts, that we might know the reality that we must be born again, that it is your work by your spirit. And please, I pray, if you have not already done that work in each of us, I pray that you would do it and that we would see the glories of the kingdom of God and come by faith to you. Amen.